Blow the whistle, huh? Blow the whistle. I love when the fan yells out, blow the whistle. Because that's the same fan who yells out, let them play. Right? Right. Can't have it both ways. Absolutely can't. But I thought it was appropriate. Uh, I guess we'll title this one, Blow the Whistle. Because I think we blow the whistle too much. Really? I think, I do. I think every game, and I really do believe this, I think every game that I see, high school, college, down below, you know, lower levels, I think features too many whistles. So I think we actually stop the game. I don't want to give an exact number. It varies. But, like, at least five times a game too much. Minimum five whistles per game that shouldn't happen. What things shouldn't happen? It's just, you know, game interrupters. A lot of times we stop we stop play, we stop the game for something that was legal, for something that was maybe marginal. Interesting. Stopping the game on incidental contact. I agree with I that. I think that's the biggest yeah. one, is we stop the game when there's marginal or incidental contact, for whatever reason. Maybe not reffing the defender, maybe just not right. having the best judgment at that moment. Uh-huh. But I, I just, I honestly, I see it so much. I see it so much. Just too many whistles. So what's your advice on decreasing the amount of times you really whistle? Increase your pain tolerance. Mm. Remember, I, 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 I remember you spoke about, about pain, pain tolerance. tolerance. Yes. Pain tolerance in life is, I mean, I guess you would define it as just the amount of pain you could take. Uh-huh. Your pain threshold. All right. You know, on the basketball court, it's how much marginal and incidental contact you can take and knowing the line between when it becomes illegal. So, and would that be determined by the skill of the players? I mean, it could, it could be. The higher, as you go up, the more contact they'll be able to play through. Uh-huh. Right? But I, I liken it, or I compare it to that bo- like a boxer. Like a boxer with a glass jaw. Who just can't take a punch. Oh, yes. So the ref who can't take a punch is, is just calling fouls at a high volume just because he thinks it's a foul. Or, or it was contact, right? Or uh-huh. there was loud contact. Or there was ugly contact. Uh-huh. Or the play was funny. Or the play was messy. So, you know, to have a high pain tolerance means you're just sitting there in lead on a loud play where, there, where there's contact, there's block shots, um, there's multiple defenders, there's coaches standing up, the bench is reacting, the, the crowd is reacting, and you're just sitting there, no calling it, because nothing illegal is going on. A lot of guys, the moment might get too hot, and they'll stop the game. Well, they feel like they have to call something because they feel like they have to call something just to satisfy the coaches, the players, and the people in the stands? I mean, I think so, because they're letting other people's like beliefs and opinions affect their, their decisions. And it's not easy. It's not an easy thing. I mean, I I've, I've went through it. I know, and, I, and that's the only reason why I'm, I'm able to speak on it, right. is because I've failed and I've went through all that. You know, and, I've, and I remember those moments where I didn't have pain tolerance, stopping the game. So it goes back to saying that it's not our show. We're just here to manage the game so the players can enjoy themselves and compete at a fair level. Absolutely. Absolutely, but 
like when I'm when I'm working with a guy or I'm watching a one you know a partner or a referee, I could tell that they can work based on their no calls, really, versus the calls they're making. Everybody can blow the whistle and and call a foul, right? Yeah. But not everybody has that skill set of really being able to to no call at a high level and inaccurately no call. Mm-hmm. You know, I I I I put something. I I think I posted a story about the foul threshold. It's just something I, I labeled. I called it a foul threshold, and I just did it like on a scale of one to ten. Okay. One being the the least amount of contact. Uh-huh. Ten being, you know, obvious, hundred percent foul. We want to call eight nines and tens. Eight obvious. nines and tens are obvious, right? Yes. Sevens. Sometimes we have to call. That's where we get into the gray area. Game management, time and score, cleanup fouls. Mm-hmm. We might call, we might call sevens, right? Right. When we start calling fives and six, we're in trouble. I agree. Right. Yeah. A lot of people are calling fives and sixes, marginal. Incidental, not a foul. Don't call, don't call two threes and fours. Never. <laughs> <laughs> don't call two threes and fours. I think a lot of the fouls that we might not like when we watch film are, are probably fives and sixes. Uh-huh. Just not illegal. A seven might be might be illegal in one game, mm-hmm. but in the next game it might be might be legal. What did I say? What did I say? Legal or? I don't know, I'm confusing myself. So a seven might be legal in one game. It might be illegal in another game. It might be legal in one moment. It might be illegal in another moment. I agree. Some plays are similar, but not the same. It, yeah, it's, and not everything is black and white. There's, there's a gray area. All right. And as officials, what separates us is what we do with the gray. Uh, a wise man like told that. me that. Um, question. Yes? So what would you say the referee's mindset would be to have a high pain tolerance? It just comes with having great judgment. It comes with, like I said, being able to take a punch. It comes with not worrying about what a coach, how a coach is going to react. Right there, there's there's been a long, a, a lot of time in my career where I was worried about what the coach is thinking of my calls. You know, I, I'm focusing on the guy who's on the sideline, mm-hmm. not as much on the play. And I'm worrying about satisfying him. Do you feel that way? I used to. You don't feel it at all anymore? Like once in a while, sometimes if the uh, environment's really high, mm-hmm. high, everything's heated. Um, most of the time, no. But what I say to myself is, you come in, you read your book, you took a class, you took the class, you took the written test. You, I've been entrusted, I've been ordained to manage or be a judge in this basketball game. So whoever, doesn't matter. I'm the one, my partner and I are the ones entrusted to make sure this game is run right. We have quality, good decision making, and I need to believe in that and trust in myself before I trust in my partner or anything else, you know? I mean, that's a good mindset to have. However, during a live ball, it's, it's not an easy thing. No. Like, this isn't an easy thing. No, and 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 certain coaches are going to demand more. Some coaches might not say much, uh-huh. and you're not going to feel it as much. Right. Some coaches who are very demanding and are always looking for an explanation, it might might it, they're going to be harder to deal with. But once you strip the emotion out of yeah. the game, you just 
you mute everything, uh -huh. you totally take any of your emotions or their emotions out, it gets a lot clearer and your judgment gets a lot more accurate. Like I, I missed a call the other night. I, or I, I call the phantom foul. Phantom foul is when there's like no contact. Mm. I call that a phantom. Okay. <laughs> you'll, you'll see phantoms every game too. Yes. We're not talking about back to the scale. We're not talking about these are fives and sixes. A phantom foul is a two and a three. Mm -hmm. So I called a two the other day because really? I was stacked. But I was thinking about what I was going to say to the coach because the coach had, uh, had, had made a comment on the previous possession. So instead of focusing on the play... I'm thinking about what the coach said. So mm -hmm. I, so what I just did there, <clears throat> I brought emotion into the game. Okay. And it clouded my judgment, and I called a phantom. So how would you fight that emotion? Uh, would I fight it? Yeah, or get rid of it? Just delete it. Really? You just delete it from your mind. That's it. We don't even, you don't even, you don't even think about it. You try not to even think about it, and the second you do, you delete it. Well, I was always taught, a wise man once said, if you're going to clean house, then you have to replace it with something. So, right. So You've spoken to a lot of wise men. I've, I've, as many as I can. And I try. you know what it's made you? What? A wise man. You are what you eat. Um, so being that we're taking the emotions out of the game, there has to be some type of truth that we're standing on to give us clarity and uh, confidence. You are what you eat, and this morning you ate three buffalo wings from, uh, uh, what's, the, what's the... I don't know. Buffalo well, Wild Wings. How do you eat that for breakfast? I'm sorry. I'm just throwing it out there. Vacation, holiday season. Tree what happened morning. to the kale spinach smoothie? I actually had that this morning. On top of the buffalo wings? It was below the buffalo wings. I had that before. Sometimes if I don't feel like eating my vegetables, I'll throw them in a blender and drink them. Yeah. That's called a cheat code. Still vegetables. No, I mean, it's, it's good. It's a right. way of consuming a lot of vegetables that normally would take too much time so and to be eat. hard to get down. Exactly. But you're getting all those nutrients. Quick little nutrition rant. But you said that you are what you eat, so I figured I would come at you with your buffalo chicken okay. for the morning. It's okay. It's all about balance. And now we lost focus. We're back. We're, we're back. We back. Where were we? Uh, right. So how do we get rid of... We strip it emotion. Sometimes you'll feel it. What happens to the referee that still feels the emotion, but what does he do when he feels the emotion? He doesn't want to he acknowledge it's there, but how can he get more confidence in such a tight spot? Repetition, working, doing as many games as you can, reading the rule book, doing research, reading books on communication. That's what I did. I, a couple years back, I decided that I lacked communication something I marveled that other guys had. How do they have it? How do they have that gift of gab? How can they just talk to a coach? These are all things young officials, you know, things we think about. So I decided that I needed to gain more information to be, to be better mm -hmm. in that skill. Okay. That's why, like, I'm, I'm pushing verbal judo. Like, the book Verbal Judo, and I want to get into more explaining concepts from this book. And Sounds like a great plan for 2019. There's been a bunch of officials that have taken the advice and started reading or read the book and, and love it but it just applies it applies to everything it applies to communication at home with your wife with your family, at work but on the basketball court with coaches, players and it allows you, gives you confidence or that boost to run the game 
mm. and then there's nothing that you can't handle and there's no conversation that you can't get into and feel comfortable mm. yeah so that's pain tolerance that's foul threshold I like that that's the scale the foul scale foul scale you ever heard of that before no I mean, might be the first time I appreciate you coming to my game yesterday oh wow that was such an amazing uh, opportunity <laughs> Sat there. That was a real delight. Thanks for having me. I sat up real high so I could see everything above. Sat up in the last stand, last uh, level of the bleachers so I could see everything, all the players, all the contact. And <clears throat> I thought it was officiated really well. Don't lie to him. No, I'm, I'm telling you, I think it was officiated really well. All due to your no calls. Oh, so there was a lot of them. A lot of no calls. So much incidental contact where uh, players are going off for a rebound and they're just touching each other, bumping next to each other. It's all legal contact. And the coaches are on the side, wanting, requesting, and granting four fouls. But you, the two of you held it together, very poised. I love your poise. You and your partner are very poised, under control. Um, I saw the confidence. I saw the confidence in uh, the play. Um, I saw the confidence in officiating by just your poise. Everything was slow and under control. If there was a fast breaking transition, you were down there. You were the lead. You were down there. Um, you didn't miss anything. But I love the poise. Well, that that's poise shows confidence. Indeed, and that's what I want you to start working on and, and adapting and to your game. That poise, and you'll get it with time. You'll get it with experience, and you'll get it with with just what we're doing. Like, I think you've grown so much in this two weeks. I mean, I've grown so much, too, just by having you and all the questions and the knowledge you seek, and it's just really inspiring. So um, that was good for you to be able to watch that game, and you came in at halftime, yeah. asked, asked questions. My partner was very impressed with your questioning, um, both at halftime and after the game. I remember he was like, like, wow, I never thought of that. That's a good question. Oh, you know what a funny thing is? Yesterday we were talking about putting the game first and not allowing the coach to be above the game. Yes. And the example I, I gave was when we speak to a coach after we call a foul and then we wind up forgetting the number. What happens yesterday? That exact example. Mm. The referee um, went and spoke to the coach or or actually I don't think he did but mm -hmm. he he let the coach um, cloud his judgment or distract him he let the coach distract him for whatever he said and then he wound up not knowing who the foul was on and then what what happens we, we go back we're administering the free throw about to administer it you hear the horn go off right. we have to go tell the table what the number was mm -hmm. and it, that that's so uncomfortable right everybody has lost numbers we all have yes it's uncomfortable it's uncomfortable. Um, it stops the game, and it, and it brings attention to us, mm -hmm. and it makes us look incompetent with everybody, the coaches, the fans. It's a simple mistake, but it's yeah. a mistake that exposes us. Incredible. And then it affects perception, and it affects your believability and all that. So the bottom line is put the game first. Do your job. Do your job before you serve anyone else. I like that. But it, it was just funny that, and, and, and another thing was selling calls. We don't have to sell anything. I really believe this, and I don't think a lot of people agree with me mm -hmm. from, what I, from the feedback I'm hearing, 
Yeah, but sometimes you gotta sell a little bit. By, by saying I don't sell, that does not mean I don't, I don't try to project strength all the time. There's a difference. You could, if you're projecting strength there's no, there, and confidence and you're accurate, and when you blow the whistle, you're just a thousand percent sure, there's nothing to sell at any moment of the game. And the biggest call of the game does not need a, a sale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't. I'm telling you. I agree. I like that. Like. That is knowledge. That's what so, so yesterday, you, you, hear, you hear this. Oh, yeah, I had to sell that. And guess what? But he, but he knew the call was incorrect. Mm. So he's telling you, oh, I had to sell it because he, he, when he blew the whistle, he, he knew it was incorrect. It should have been a non-shooting foul, right? So he had to sell it that it was a shot. Mm. But there we go again, talking about selling. And then at the end of that conversation, we're talking about being inaccurate. So we're selling inaccuracy is what we're selling. Oh, yes. We believe you. If you're, uh-huh. if you're confident yeah. and you are a thousand percent, we'll believe you. We don't, you don't need to do jumping jacks and, and do 10 different signals and point to the spot uh-huh. to try to satisfy everybody. Okay. Just stay in there. Uh-huh. Have a high pain tolerance. Just be a thousand percent when you blow the whistle. Back to blowing the whistle. That's why <laughs> this episode is called Blow the Whistle. If you're a thousand percent, blow the whistle. If you're not a thousand, don't blow the whistle. What if you blow the whistle and you realize it's an incorrect call? And let's say you stop right there and don't try to go further into selling anything or false. You just say inverted whistle. Mm, uh, You're going to do that on a foul? When you call foul, you're going to just then... No, I'll go up, say I'll uh, blow the whistle, put my hand up. It might have looked like the guy uh, made contact, but there was really no contact. There was yeah, no I, 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 contact. And you say, blow the whistle. Or you say, invert a whistle. What's your uh, take on that? I would say stay away from that. If you call a foul, take it to the table. So then you have to sell the foul. Why are you going to sell it? What are you going to sell? What are you going to do to sell it? So if there was no foul. But what are you going to do to sell it? You're going to sell gonna the yell foul. it louder? No, just not <laughs> even sell the foul. Just boom, boom, uh, blue 32, hit. Possession might not even touch them. So which one is better? Uh, blowing your whistle for an inverted whistle when you thought it was contact, but you realized there wasn't any contact, or blowing your whistle for a foul and creating a foul when there wasn't one there. I mean, sometimes you just got to be wrong. If you you know if you call a foul and look on a rare occasion, right. when you call a foul, you to immediately do 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 do. Correction, inadvertent whistle. But, mm-hmm. but then we get into a whole, I would, I would not go down that path. Right, you can do ball. it on violations. You mm-hmm. could do it if the ball was tipped in the backcourt and we stop the game and call a backcourt violation. Partner brings in information. Do, do, correction, inadvertent whistle. Ball was tipped. See where I'm going? Right. Like that's where inadvertent whistles come in. Okay. <clears throat> so you don't want to use an inadvertent whistle for... A foul call. You don't want to be changing your, your foul calls. It's going to make you look confused. And it's going to make you look like you don't have great judgment. Okay. And that you're not sure of yourself. Okay. Yeah, so, so I would stay away with that one. And if the coach says anything, 
That's when you use your get out of jail free card. My fault. Coach, I, I, I did not like that call. Coach, I, honestly, I, I don't know why I blew the whistle there. It was, in, it was incorrect. I apologize. I'll be better. Mm-hmm. I, I respect that. They just want to hear that you messed up. That's the biggest feedback I've spoke to a million coaches in, and that's the biggest thing you hear when a ref asks a coach off the court, like what are his things he looks for. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just want to hear that he, that he made a mistake. I just want to hear him, hear him admit it. That's all they want to hear. Okay. So give it to him. No problem. And give it to him in a very transparent, honest way. Mm-hmm. Like have no ego. Just, just, just admit it. They'll respect it. Wonderful. So I want you to in, in, increase your no calls every game. Don't be scared to miss something. Sometimes we're, we're trying to be too perfect. And we're scared to miss a foul. We want to go 10 for 10. You ain't going 10 for 10. <laughs> go nine for ten. <laughs> go nine for ten. Yeah. Listen, a ninety percent accuracy rate is extremely high. Yes, I'm telling you. Some people talk like ninety percent is is the norm, is average. Not a chance. Yes, yes. Not a chance. I've tracked too many games. I've tracked too many calls. I used to track all my whistles. So every after every game, after I watched the film, I would have like twenty one for twenty eight. Like, it's crazy how much stuff we miss. And if you're being a hard critic on yourself, then you'll really start to see mistakes. If you're just going and, and, and um, you know, uh, play validating, then you won't, you won't see as many. But you got you to gotta look deeper than that when you're breaking down film. But, um, yeah, 90% is great. I mean, 80% in, in I mean, 8, eight out of 10. That's still a positive. You just got to make sure those two don't come late mm-hmm. and they're not phantoms, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Okay, you're, you went 9 for 10, you called 1-6. That's good. We could live with that. Uh-huh. You're 8 for 10 and you called two fours on the foul scale. Uh-huh. That's, that doesn't look as good. No. You know? So I think this was a good talk. Excellent. You got anything else you want to touch on? Um, I think that's about it. All right. Thank you very much, Coach. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. All right. Peace.